This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. All right. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome. Welcome back to another Top 10 for Geek Vibes Nation, the first Top 10 of 2021. Um, Merry, no, Happy New Year. I can't talk today. I was like, Merry New Year. I feel like people say that sometimes. Happy New Year. Um, it's already a few days into 2021. It still feels like 2020. As I said, Nothing's changing just because the clock striked midnight, but I am your ever half, uh, glass half empty host, Tia, (laughs) and I have with me my opposite, the half is the, well, half, the glass is half full, Brittany. How are you doing this morning? I can't talk today. This is a great first episode for 2021. Oh my god, Tia left all of her brain cells in 2020, so it's fine. It took everything that I had. <laughs> oh, I, I like it. That's why I was sitting there. I was like, yeah, we see, we told you we'd see you next year. Because uh, obviously every year you have to, like, throw that joke in. Yeah, you got to do the har 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 joke, you know? <laughs> I know. It was like, but, uh, like, the, I was giving a gift to, like, a friend online, right? And I was trying to say, like, Happy belated Christmas, but I was like, is it Merry belated Christmas? Belated <laughs> Merry Like, I was like, what word do I use? And I was like, whatever. Just, I don't know. Take it. Shit. I don't know. I think in um, England, and if there's anyone out there who is British, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they say Happy Christmas. So you're okay if you say Happy Christmas and Merry New Year. It's fine. They're just words. Oh, no, it feels wrong to you. It feels wrong. But Brittany and I are really excited for our first episode of the new year. We decided to have a little fun this time um, and not do anything that's really holiday-related and do the top ten unlikely actors who should play villains. Now, A, I feel like our titles are always, like, really long. Um, And B, it's one of those things where... Brittany and I were talking about it, whereas you have an actor who, say, typically typecasted as the nice guy or someone who plays just these kind of good characters. And we thought that maybe we should fan cast them, essentially, for villains, because villains are always fun. It's the reason why people love uh, Loki, right? Because villains are fun. Uh, they make the story. And I think that there are actors out there who, if given the right chance, could really shine as a bad guy in a movie or a TV show. Now, the thing about our podcast is it's not that we're going to pick actors necessarily who have never played a bad guy but perhaps where they've only played it once or they weren't given really a big role and the majority of their filmography is playing good guys. 
That makes sense, right, Brittany? <laughs> that makes sense to me. That secretly makes no sense. No, it's okay. <laughs> don't don't do that to me, uh, Brittany. You're the one who's supposed to me, Ricky Bobby. You're supposed to keep me on track. <laughs> oh no, that was your first mistake. <laughs> but I'm excited for this. I mean, Brittany and I love the villains usually in movies and TV shows. It's kind of a problem because we'll be like, oh, look at this TV show. Everyone's obsessed with the main character, but who's the bad guy? Who's the ba- There's been so many times where people will be like, oh, that hero is so cool. And, like, the girls are, like, like fangasming over them. And then we're like, but yeah, 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 who's the villain? Is but it cool? The backstory? <laughs> Is the backstory cool? Can I sympathize with him? Like, yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty bad when it comes to that. I know. Did he do something awful? But is it redeemable because of something that happened in his childhood? I will say, um, and no spoilers really for those out there who haven't seen it yet. But freaking Cobra Kai season three is bomb as shit, right? Um, and we all know that Crease is the bad guy. And not that you're given any sort of sympathetic, um, like you're never given a reason to sympathize with him, but they do have a few flashbacks of probably things that explain why he is the way he is today. And I'm like, see, even the stories are like, let us kind of humanize these villains for you. Who cares? Fuck Crease. Oh, no, no, no. Brittany, I'm telling you, season three was so good. Um, It's one of those things where, like, when I was watching season three, right, I was like, it's really good. It's really good. Um, But it kind of feels like this would – it kind of felt at some points, especially towards the end, where if if they had made season three the last season, it wouldn't have been a bad thing, right? Like, it felt like yeah. it could told a story but we already know that um netflix renewed it for a fourth season as well so you had that in mind but the, but the last like five minutes of season three like opened up exactly where you're going for season four and you're like i can't wait for a season four <laughs> oh, so dude, they're like surprise we already recorded season four and it's completely ready to go I would love that because Netflix scares me sometimes. They have a habit of renewing seasons and then for some dumb reason canceling it. Like they had renewed – there was two shows that I could think of. Glow and the show I'm Not Okay With This had both previously gotten renewed for new seasons. And then once COVID hit, they canceled the two of them. Because they were like, oh, COVID. And I'm like, just push the productions. Like, why do you have to just cancel it? They're like, oh, no, can't film it, so just cancel. And it's like, whereas, you know, studios are pushing the film, you know, the filming of their movies. It, but Netflix don't give a fuck. Netflix like, oh, you know this, like, really popular show that we said you were going to get another season. You were really excited for another season. Yeah. Take, I take it back. <laughs> Poor Firefly, like, I don't know everybody talking about when Firefly got canceled, even though it was so popular. Um, see, I was never part of, like, the Firefly fandom, but, um, I, I don't know if it was, like, really popular at that point, or if it's, say, gained its sort of cult following in the years that have followed, but, um, 
I think Firefly was on Fox and Fox like Netflix is becoming the new Fox because that's the running joke with Fox is that they just cancel everything. I mean, they even canceled Family Guy at one point and like Family Guy made a joke about it, you know, once they got picked up at like Cartoon Network. You want to know how strongly some people feel about Firefly? Oh, I'm I'm sure. But tell me. Do you know that game that came out? It's like Red Flag, and it's like you pick the perfect date for someone, and then somebody can play a Red Flag when you're still trying to find, like, pick the perfect date, right? Yeah. And we were playing it, and someone played, like, oh, yeah, basically, like, oh, they're a billionaire or something, or they're this, and all these good things about the person. But the red flag that got played on him was they're responsible for canceling fire for firefly getting canceled, and he was instantly like, "No, no, I can't do it. Never mind." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, dang." People Somebody are, really likes firefly. People are obsessed with firefly. I'm not going to take that away from them, but I've never watched it, and I had heard rumors that they're thinking about rebooting it, which would mean, you know, not the original actor. So we have to see what happens. But, Brittany, we have stalled long enough. Let's get to it. Let's start this shit. Start us off with your number 10 of unlikely actors who should play villains. Uh, You're going to laugh at me, but I'm going to have to say Adam Sandler. I really thought that you were going to be like Anthony Hopkins. Hey, I mean, after, like, Hannibal Lecter, but, I mean, he's not unlikely, but, you know, after, like, he hasn't really, well, okay, never mind, he played Robert Ford. No, Adam Sandler, because, okay, he's, stick with me here. He's always played the jo- jokey, funny guy, and especially, I think, when we were kids, he was one of, like, the top actors, like, he was just so funny, and I was looking, and a lot of people were saying, like, they don't think there's ever been an instance of him truly playing the villain, and I thought about it, and I was like, well, I think he would have the chops to be, like, almost be able to play like a mafia sort of villain where it's like oh haha, i'm a little bit funny but wait are you laughing at, you know that kind of like seriousness that could kind of like flip flop back and forth and a lot of times it's like i don't believe adam sandler is a bad actor i just feel like he's been typecasted so long that it's hard there's only so many jokes you can do there's only so many times you can be funny in a movie before people are like okay you're basically playing you know yourself over and over again but i think if he played a villain i think it would open up the opportunity for him to actually be something different to show like a different side of him this is so interesting because um i wouldn't have thought this but i agree with you I feel like he has this sort of deal with Netflix and he comes out with all these movies on Netflix. And even though we sit there and say they're terrible movies, they do really well numbers wise on Netflix. So it's like he just keeps producing these movies where he just, you know, he makes fucking money out of it. Right. So why wouldn't you keep doing that? But I know you didn't see the movie. I saw Uncut Gems. And I thought it was phenomenal. 
And it was an Adam Sandler that I've never seen before, like him in this drama, this really intense drama. And not that he played, he didn't play like, say, a villain or anything. He certainly played like an asshole um, in many, uh, you know, retrospects. But it was such a good movie and it was such a different take on what Adam Sandler can do. And I've heard someone say this before. I think that Adam Sandler um, needs to be in more movies where he's not the one who's directing it. Um, like, cause for uncut gems, you know, he was just an actor in it. He didn't direct it. He didn't produce it. He didn't write the script or anything. He was just the actor. And he I did really, that he produced most of his own stuff. So that's his own fault. Well, but that's the point is that he does all this because he's like, you know, that's what Hollywood wants. Um, and I think that the industry, right, doesn't really necessarily believe that Adam Sandler can do something like this because um, he wasn't nominated for Uncut Gems, right? And that was like a huge uproar when that happened. People were like, how did you watch Uncut Gems and not nominate him? And they interviewed someone who's like part of the Academy, um, and they essentially said like while – Adam Sandler's, say, performance in Uncut Gems is certainly Oscar-worthy. He's not an Oscar type of actor. It's like if he produces more um, content like this, then the Academy will, like, consider him. Pretty much, like, he's so typecasted that he was typecasted out of not fucking getting an Oscar for Uncut Gems, even though he deserved it. It's unfair. I mean, the Academy always, like, fucks their shit up. Yeah. I like how they're, like, that's the exact reason why people felt like using, like, a Hollywood-era movie or, like, a Hollywood kind of documentary-type movie is going for low-hanging fruit for the Academy. Because there's certain movies that you can tell were made just to get an Oscar. And I'm like, oh, "Oh, that's shitty. Well... Like, you know, I love Tom Hanks and, you know, my grandma loves Tom Hanks and no disrespect to Tom Hanks at all. But someone points out that, like, Tom Hanks clearly only does movies now that are, say, Oscar contenders, Um, which is fine. You know, he wants that, you know, that, say, level of quality. But it's just, as you said, there are some movies that are made where it's like we're going to win an Oscar with this as opposed to just putting out a story, and if it gets nominated, it gets nominated. I guess it's like at that point, like, I know, who was it? Was it Leonardo DiCaprio that could not get a freaking Oscar? Oh my god, it was every year, you know, there's so many movies that he should have, it was a running joke, like, when will the Academy give Leo the Oscar that he deserves, and he finally won it for Revenant, which a lot of people say that the Oscars just gave it to him, because they were like, because I, I thought the Revenant was good, but it certainly wasn't Leo's best performance ever and i don't even think that it was an oscar worthy performance that movie was tom hardy's movie and everyone knows it i would say Django would have been a really good one for him to win one in oh yeah i mean uh yes Django would have been great the wolf of wall street um i mean what'd you say titanic titanic (laughs) 
the basketball yeah. diaries. Like, <laughs> look at every freaking um, movie that Leonardo DiCaprio has ever done, and you can say, oh, he should have won an Oscar for that. All except The Revenant. <laughs> I know, The Revenant was probably, like, his last one. Like, it was good. It was definitely good. I mean, who doesn't want to see someone get fucked up by a bear, but... I can't watch yeah. that. I think I saw that in the theaters, and I was just like, I had been warned that there was a really intense bear scene, and it was so hard to watch. <laughs> I just feel like it went on forever. And I was it went on forever. You're done, but I'm not. And she's went back into it. <laughs> that was the problem with it. It was so long, and then you get this, like, slight pause, and then the bear was like, you know what, hang on, hang on, hold my beer. <laughs> Oh, my beer. I can't remember. Did it have a cub? Or was it just fucking, like, just pissed? I forget. And I don't really kind of want to watch it again to find oh, out. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'll just look on Wikipedia. But, um, yeah, Adam Sandler is a great way to start off this list. I would not have considered it, but now I kind of want to see it. So, Hollywood, if you're listening in. You know, you should be listening in. Um, let's get to... Do not let him play it himself, though. Give no, somebody else give him direction. Yeah, exactly. Don't let him produce it. But um, let's move on. Number nine. Um, I'm trying to see in what order necessarily I want to do this. Um, but I kind of want to start off strong. Um, and I'm going to put Zach Efron. Now, it is a good one. So, to be fair, I've not really watched a lot of Zac Efron's stuff. Um, you know, he was in all the high school musicals, and I feel like that was past my time. Like, I was at the age where, like, obviously I was young enough. I'm not that fucking old. But I was old enough that when that came out, that was, like, not cool. <laughs> I was like, okay, no. But... So he obviously got typecasted for those roles, and then he's playing all these kind of, like, sappy, goody-goody sort of roles, you know, whatever. And he got really typecasted as the pretty boy. But um, he – so he did play a villain, but I feel like he wasn't – A, he wasn't given, I feel like, a great script, and he hasn't really been cast as that since. So – Zac Efron played Ted Bundy in the Netflix movie that has, like, the way too long of title, and I can't remember it. It's like name. I can't remember it because it's so long. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Cause, okay, so the title was Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. And... The reason why the movie's titled that is because the judge who was sentencing Ted Bundy really said that in, like, real life about the crimes that Ted Bundy committed. But based on that title, you would think that the movie would be this, like, really, like, gory sort of villainous sort of movie when really the movie mostly focused on Ted Bundy's real-life girlfriend um, and only really touched – and it – had Ted Bundy claiming his innocence the whole movie up until the very end of the movie where he admitted to killing someone. Um, so I felt as if, yes, Zac Efron is playing 
one of the most notorious um, villains in real life of all time, Ted Bundy. So you could say, well, yeah, he's played a villain, but he didn't play Ted Bundy as a villain because the whole movie was the good guy. It was his relationship with his girlfriend and him, you know, trying to prove his innocence and being so such a waste. It was such a waste, and so you know he did a fine job at that. But at the very at the very end of the movie, right at the very end of the movie, and this is not a spoiler because this is a real life person. You can like look up everything that happened with this guy. At the very end of the movie, um, as Ted Bundy is on death row and about to be put to death, his ex girlfriend comes to the jail cell because the authorities are like you know, there's a lot of families out there that don't have closure and he's about to be put to death. Why don't you go and see if you can plead with him to finally reveal where some of the bodies are? And up until this point, it's been 10 years since Ted Bundy was jailed. He's never at that point revealed what he did. And he's sitting down with her and he finally like, it's like he's so not because he's charming the whole movie, right? But he's so like, when she comes down, because that was, like, the love of his life, apparently, where he's like, oh, my God, you're here. Like, I've been writing you for so long, you know. Oh, you're so, like, you know, you know I'm innocent. And she's like, stop the bullshit, you know, Ted. You know, it's that whole thing, right? And then at the very end when she, like, makes it known that she was the one who called the police on him at first, like, all those years ago. And why the police even, like, were on his radar. Suspected him. Yeah, because they did a sketch of, like, the suspect, and she was like, that looks like fucking Ted, you know, and she got scared. Um, It's so hard to, like, call it on someone you cared about, and if you were wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they showcased, like, how she had become an alcoholic from the guilt over it and all that. So once Ted, at the end of the movie, finds out that, she was the one who called all those years ago his face changes and the way zach efron acted that was like more of a performance than the entire movie like the way his face changed the way he looked then so dark and so sinister like completely dropping that charming act that he had the whole movie to just look at her and be like yeah i saw this fucking bitch's head off or something like that you know was just so good and it was so chilling that i was like why didn't we get this the whole entire movie like why like It would have been good to see that flip-flop between, like, the monster and the man. You know what I mean? And to me, just that little moment just showed me that Zac Efron could actually do that. And I don't know. Zac Efron also came out with, like, a documentary, like, last year, and it was really good. And I just think, like, now that I'm kind of looking at him in, like, a different light, whereas it's one of those things where, okay, you – got into acting and uh you know that high school musical was obviously your big break and then hollywood pretty much like pushed this whole like good boy uh role on you and i think you actually have the capacity to really flex more serious acting skills it's like and he's still a crazy good singer like you know with him being in the greatest showman oh is he still a good singer oh yeah Definitely. I didn't see The Greatest Showman, so I don't know. I haven't um, either, but I've listened to the songs because I'm <laughs> that kind of person. Well, and that, I'm just saying, like, 
he seems like a good guy. Um, his documentary was actually like really like positive and uplifting. Um, and he is uh, what you call so he lives like sober. Um, and he just seems like all around like he's trying to shift himself in Hollywood, which he even acknowledges like how difficult that is to do. But I just think that just even based on that little bit that I saw at the end of that Ted Bundy movie, I see that he has the capacity to play a villain and look frightening while doing it. Because, you know, you're like, oh, Zac Efron, he's a good looking guy, which is, you know, he was kind of perfect to play Ted Bundy because they always say how good looking he was, even though I don't fucking see it at all. Um, but uh, what you want to call it? Yeah, sure. I'll take your word on it. I'm just, do, do you know what I'm talking about, Brittany? Like they show like all these, like all this footage back in the day of all these women who are like, he couldn't have done it. He's so good looking. And I'm like, man, men were not. Men were not good looking in the seventies, apparently. If that's your standard of what good looking is, <laughs> I, know, I like whatever people say. I'm like, Ugh. did you see like there's like a lady that has a tattoo of the bite mark that like they like used to? Uh... Okay, have you heard about that with Ted Bundy? He left a bite mark on one of his victims, and that was one of the ways that they proved him guilty was by the dental set matching. And a yeah, lady, they, like, she tattooed the teeth mark on herself. I was going to say they do cover that in the movie, his dental records. Like, that is pretty much the thing that put the nail in the coffin. Because if you think about back then, they didn't have DNA testing. So they had to resort to things such as bite marks, which is kind of funny, only in the sense that they've kind of proven how inaccurate that is nowadays. Like, Paul and I watched this whole thing about this guy who had, say, convicted all these people because of their bite marks, but they were all, like, incomplete bite marks or shit like that. And the forensic scientists even say how unreliable that is now. But back then, that's really all they had. But people are crazy for serial killers. Like, there is a community online of people who are obsessed with people like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and it's like, how? How? Like, Brittany and I obsess over fictional villains, but not real-life villains. <laughs> but not, like, ones where you're like, oh, yeah, I gotta lock my door at night because they're gonna come murderize. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. I saw this one thing. You know how I said that I've been watching Nexpo, that YouTuber? Yeah. He did, um, he has, like, a thing where it's, like, uh, disturbing things around the internet sort of videos, and one of them is that there was this one YouTuber who has since, like, deleted her channel, but her whole entire YouTube channel was dedicated to one of the guys who were involved in the Columbine shootings. Like, she had a pillowcase with the guy. She had a pillowcase with the guy. She had, like, pictures of him everywhere. And it's like, I don't understand, like, the stan at all of a serial killer. <laughs> you know, that's, like, a big thing right now. It's been talking about, like, stan culture and how they can push people to do stuff. And if you're not exactly the way that they dream in their head, it, like, you know, breaks them of, like, oh, well, you're not the real person I was obsessed with. 
and I don't know, they can get crazy, especially like like the k-pop stands if you've seen like what happens on twitter somebody's like i don't like k-pop stands they're like we are initiating this is a problem and they go on the offensive um our podcast right now is going to be canceled just because you said that (laughs) i don't know about like uh, h3h3 did that do you remember that I don't think I was um, a listener of H3H3 at that point because I've only really been listening to him for the past, you know, couple of months. But that's really it. Well, I think it was him or somebody else that said something just to, like, piss off K-pop stands. (laughs) And I'm not just talking about, like, fans or, like, people that just, like, post stuff under Twitter stuff. I mean, like, stuff where it's, like, if you don't like K-pop, they're, like like death threat you right and h3h3 said something i can't remember ethan klein said something just to like piss them off and like the horde of messages he got and i could just imagine him maniacally laughing over it because he's such a fucking troll i mean just the negative reaction that i received over expressing an opinion about the upcoming hawkeye series i mean the stand culture you know it's it's fun to be a fan of something. We're fans, obviously. That's why we're in this business. But it's it's just crazy. I mean, Eminem did a song about it. And in the song, I don't know if you've ever heard his song, Stan, Brittany, but in yeah. the, which is where the Stan culture word even comes from. But in the yeah. song... In the song, the fan who's so upset of Eminem not responding to him and being the person who he imagined in his head literally puts Eminem in the trunk of his car and kills him. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. He kills himself. He kills himself because no, he's so upset. No, his pregnant girlfriend is yeah. in the trunk. And himself, and himself. That's right. That's right. Because he's so upset over Eminem, Eminem not, like, responding back to him. So it's like, you know... The fact that we even use the word stan is so ironic because it's like it was in a song talking about fans who are too extreme. Well, that's like the big question is right now because it's like for me, it's like there's certain things that I really like. I just think sometimes people take it too far. Like it's a, it's fine to be like obs- like not super obsessive but like you know like with us writing fan fiction for the longest time it's like but i never would have went out of my way to attack someone that didn't like them yeah i don't understand the whole it's it's a lot but you know listen to the top 10 and come for our philosophical uh lessons here we're, we're, we're oh my god <laughs> no i love it i love it um go ahead sorry no i was gonna say i do agree about Zac Efron, though, I think he would have the capacity to play, play a very scary villain for the fact that people would be, uh, what's the word for it? Surprised? I think they'd be surprised because they would definitely, in a movie, they would find him to be very comedic. Like, oh, he's the pretty boy, and then watch him to flip into the villain would be probably pretty unsettling, kind of like what we saw with Henry Cavill. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, um, what you call it, I just think that it's cool when you get actors like that who you wouldn't expect 
to be villains and they don't particularly look like what your idea of a villain is, but that's what would make them so unsuspecting. So I definitely think that Zac Efron would make a good villain. Um, I saw a lot of potential when he played Ted Bundy, and I think that he should be given that opportunity again. But let's move on. Brittany, what's your number eight? Let me see here. Let me see. One second. I'm always, like, looking through my list. I'm like, well, what play do I want to put that in? Um, I'm going to go ahead and take this one just because I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was funny. I actually had it on my list before you mentioned it. I don't think Tom Hanks has ever played a villain. No. No, I don't think he has. <laughs> I don't think Tom Hanks has ever played a villain. And that, for that very reason, is why I would love for him to play a villain. Because obviously he has the acting chops for it. I mean, how many different kind of roles have we seen him in? And they never feel like they repeat. And that's why you, your grandma... No, I don't know. I don't want your grandma to be super upset if he ever played the villain, though. Your, <laughs> your grandma would be disappointed. My grandma oh, no, loves I just, Tom Hanks. <laughs> she does. Didn't you say she owns like almost like every movie? Not that she necessarily owns this movie, but it's like she's seen almost all his movies. Because in her in her words, they're watchable. You know, there's never too much cursing. There's never explicit sex scenes. You know, it's grandma and grandpa safe. <laughs> Grandma and Grandpa same. I just, like, there's so many times, like, I feel like he has such an emotional range, whether or not it's, like, cast away with watching him, basically. That movie was basically just him and a volleyball. Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like you could put him in, say, the role of, like, even like a Marvel villain, though I would hope they wouldn't kill him off in the first five seconds, or even like a Spider-Man villain, or just somebody that doesn't have to be so outwardly like sadistic evil, but someone that maybe would think that they were doing what was right for humanity type villain, kind of like a misguided villain, more than say just like a sadistic villain. And I feel like I don't think he ever will end up playing a villain, but I think he was actually on a list of like, like the only 16 actors that have never played a villain in anything. Yeah, he's never I I think you're right. I think Tom Hanks has never played a bad guy, which is funny cuz he does have so much range and as you said, every movie that he's in he always feels so different. And for him to have played all these different characters but to never have touched upon playing the bad guy is certainly interesting. Um, I think I agree with you, Brittany. I think yes, 100% yes. Tom Hanks has the um, the range for it. I think he should allow himself to do it. I mean, he's deep enough into his career where he can do this and it wouldn't say typecast him. He doesn't have to worry about now only playing villains or only playing bad guys. People would know that he has the range to play it all. And it's like, come on, Tom Hanks. I'd love that. <laughs> he needs to get, but he needs to get like his once a year uh, Oscar deal. He can't be playing. <laughs> Do you know? Um. Oh God, what? There's so many fantastic movies that it feels unfair to be like, "What's your favorite Tom Hanks movie?" But what's your favorite Tom Hanks movie, uh, Brittany? I'm probably gonna go with Castaway, <laughs> or the one, 
where uh, I haven't seen it so many years, but it still has stuck with me. Where he's like living in a airport, which I don't remember I why he's living in the airport, but that I remember loving that movie as a kid. That was a fantastic movie. I'm surprised you haven't said Forrest Gump. I thought that was like your MVP uh, Tom Hanks movie. Never mind. I take it back. It's Forrest Gump. <laughs> you don't have to. I'm not forcing yeah, you. No, I just I forgot that he, he played Forrest. <laughs> um, there's so many fantastic Tom Hanks movies. It feels almost unfair to, you know, boil it down to one. But I have to say that I think that one of his most impressive roles was in Philadelphia. Um, I cried like I'm a fucking baby. Philadelphia. Um, it's very emotional. You know, it's a, about a man dying from AIDS. Um, oh, God. never mind. Too sad. Too sad. <laughs> uh, but it's a beautiful movie. Um, and it's really great. His, uh, you know, his, his whole thing, and I'm probably bastardizing this plot because it's been a long time since I've seen it, but pretty much, um, he was fired from his job for have for being gay and for having AIDS. Um, and during a time, you know, when that was happening and he gets a lawyer to sue the company for discrimination. And the thing is that the lawyer played by Denzel Washington, um, you know, at first didn't say, quote unquote, understand gay people. Um, but it's through their friendship and how they get to know each other that it's just like this really beautiful sort of friendship that kind of blooms between the two. And it's so great. Like Tom Hanks acts his ass off. Denzel Washington's great in it. But I freaking cried. And this was shown in my sociology class. So I'm in class, like literally sobbing in class. And I'm like, can my, and this is a teacher that always put like really sad movies on. And I'm like, can this guy stop? <laughs> He stopped doing sadistic. He wanted to see a bunch of like college students sob in class. <laughs> he's like, good. He's like, I can't physically put hands on you, but I could emotionally destroy you. I could emotionally slap the shit out of you. <laughs> exactly. Man, that movie sounds too sad for me. No, Tia knows. I just think it's a big reason why I used to be such a like a book buff. Like I would read constantly, and now I'm at the point where I can hardly pick up a book because I get too attached to the characters, and I don't feel like being emotionally destroyed over and over again. Yeah, that it definitely was really emotional. I don't know if I could ever go back and rewatch the film, um, but I just remember having seen it and saying to myself, okay, I see why this is considered one of Tom Hanks's best performances, because it really is. And, well, I kind of want to see it, but I also don't want to see it. <laughs> Maybe next time we see each other, we can watch it and we'll just cry together. <laughs> and then go to Sephora? <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. Always go to Sephora. <laughs> um, Trying to think of everything. When I go to New York normally to see you. Uh, you know, Sephora, sponsor us. We, we're here promoting your shit. Oh, my gosh. Did you see where uh, Colourpop is getting, like, a collaboration with Animal Crossing? And I freaking love Animal Crossing. They're just trying to take my money. <laughs> I feel like Colourpop um, does all the great collaborations. Um, I 
yesterday wore my uh, Baby Yoda palette, and it was amazing. Have you heard the song where it's like Baby Yoda, Baby Baby Yoda? But now he has a name, and I don't know if that takes away from it or not. No, I I don't acknowledge that his name is Grogu. That no, that doesn't exist. <laughs> What'd you say? I didn't say it. Sorry, I didn't say anything. I just accidentally made a noise. I was going to say, I was like, are we losing Brittany here? I feel like we're losing Brittany. No, not only in my mind. Only in your mind. Okay, that, that's fair enough. But um, what was I going to say? So, yeah, so I, I love Tom Hanks. Did you um have anything else that you wanted to say with that? I just like I just feel like his range is so good that he would be able to truly play play a villain. But I feel the type of villain that he would play would be one of those ones that you would feel bad for, like where you're like you want him to win just because you're like, oh, well, you see, he's got good motives though. You know who Tom Hanks's type of villain would remind me of? I don't know why I just thought about this. He feels like he would remind me of like a villain that say Josh Brolin would play. Where it's like he's a villain, he's a villain, but almost sympathetic. Where you're like he's not doing it for evil reasons. It's um or like or Day. like Labor Day or like a Walter White from Breaking Bad, like a Brian oh, that's Cranston true. villain, right? I feel like that. I still need to see Breaking Bad. You know, wait. You love Brian Cranston. You've never seen Breaking Bad? No, I love him because of Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, my God, Brittany. Now, I'll admit that I didn't complete Breaking Bad. I think I only got up to the third season. But, oh, man, like, uh, what he is in that is like a tour de force, like the the decline of, well, not the decline, but the shift of a man who's a family man and a pushover, really, right? Going from that to then, you know, becoming this, like, fucking meth drug lord who takes no shit and kills people is, like, such a crazy fucking, like, journey. Man, and Brian Cranston, by the way, is so funny. Because there was a guy I like at a, like a meetup, right? That asked him, like, "Oh, you came to my hometown. Did, did you like it?" And he's like, "I liked it when I was banging your mom or something." I was Whoa. like, "Dang!" Like, he dressed like a kid. Like this guy has got to be like seventeen, eighteen, like young, young. You know what I mean? And just like the kid's face, he goes, "Oh, wow!" <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Um, I'll say one last thing about Brian Cranston, then we'll move on. Even though your pick was Tom Hanks, um. My favorite meme of Breaking Bad of all time, and I'm going to, again, bastardize it, but it went around, like, if you want to know how bad America's health care system is, there's a whole show about someone who turned to dealing meth to pay for their uh, cancer treatment. I mean... Where's the, Where's the Where's lie? Where's the lie? I feel like whenever they're um, when they're voting on things, they'd be like, "You have to watch Breaking Bad first, though. We're about to be making a whole lot of these people. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, you know, the the show is, you know, badass, but it's, like, kind of heartbreaking. It's like, oh, I have cancer, and it's going to be a lot of medical bills, and my family is going to be, you know, left without me because I'm probably going to die soon, and my wife is pregnant, and what do I do? Oh, I'm a chemist, so I know how to make meth. I'm going to start dealing some meth. <laughs> But you know what? And it's blue. Oh yeah. So, the reason why it's blue is kind of cool, though. I won't. I won't lie. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of a cool, uh, cool thing. But anyway, enough about meth. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what you say? I can talk about meth all day. Oh please no. <laughs> um. Oh my god. I always. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One last thing. I always thought it was funny with Breaking Bad because, like, meth is so not, like, a designer drug. This is so weird. Like, where do our podcasts go? I'm just saying, like, when you watch things like movies or TV shows, it's like, oh, this person deals coke. This person deals heroin. This person deals pot. It's like meth. It's like what? And it's like, but then you have this show Breaking Bad that, like, that's all it is and shit. I don't know. I just found that was, like kind of interesting that that was like the drug that they could have easily went in like the coke route right because that's so stereotypical for these type of like shows and tvs coke. yeah i don't know i just thought it was interesting i'm sorry for those who are listening we don't do drugs i just talking about fictional meth um but where the <laughs> fictional meth <laughs> fictional meth um but let's go oh my god if my mom is listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to number seven. Um, I'm going to pick an easy one. I'm going to pick Tom Holland. Um, and what did you say? That's a good one. Well, you and I, I think, talked about what was it last week when we were talking about the movies that we were looking forward to in 2021. And I said I was really looking forward to Cherry because um, it looked like a different sort of Tom Holland role. Um, Even though he doesn't play, say, a villain, he's playing like a more serious role than you're used to him. And so... If he does this really well with Cherry, which I think he will, it's like it'd be super interesting to see Tom Holland as like a true bad guy. Because I'm sure that in Cherry, it's like, yeah, he's going to play a serious role, but I'm sure we'll sympathize with him, you know. But if you played where he like really was like a fucking asshole, that'd be so interesting. You'd be like, oh, my God, the guy who plays like the sweetest Peter Parker, an asshole. I think it'd be great. one of the better people like being a spider-man uh actor that would be a good villain because we we saw what uh toby mcguire looked like as a villain he turned very emo oh my god toby mcguire though isn't a bad actor like i've seen him in things i think that was just a bad script but um yeah yeah, i I think he's supposed to be the loser but it still cracks me up imagining him doing that like the finger guns at the women in the street and then just (laughs) looking at him utterly disgusted was pretty gosh darn funny I'll never forget um, sitting in the theater watching Spider-Man 3 and the moment Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man turned to the mirror and fucking put his hair in his face in that typical emo hairstyle, I was like, I can't. They just made Spider-Man emo. 
You just made Spider-Man emo, especially as you're the goth kid. You're like, okay, if they made him goth, I guess fine, but this you, is the ultimate insult. Emo was so mainstream at that point. It was so popularized, and it's like, why did we need... And now looking back on it, it so didn't, like, make sense because Toby. So Toby Maguire is, like, playing a high school student. But no disrespect to Tobey Maguire, but he was so much older than high school age. Like, Tom Holland can get away with it. But you look back on it, and you're like, these are full-blown adults playing fucking, you know, high schoolers. It's the same thing where I watch Friends, and it's like, you're the all these guys who clearly look like they're in their 30s, and I can say this because I'm 30, but all these guys who look like they're in their 30s, you're trying to convince me that they're all in their, like, early to mid-20s, and they all have these, like, fantastic apartments in New York City, but I've never seen, like, if any of them really have a job. Come on. Come on. That's like, uh, I know we're going to go back to Tom Holland in a second. That's what gets me. Whatever. Uh, like, oh, what movie is it? Like, Ten Things I Hate About You, and everybody looks like a gosh darn adult. And I'm like, <laughs> who are you people? I didn't look like this in high school. I probably looked I like what we seventh graders now. That's what I think about all the time. I'm like, I didn't look like that. And I always remember when I was younger, when I was a teenager watching these movies, and I'm like, why don't I look like that? Like, who are these people? And then you realize when you get older, it's like, because none of them were high school age. None of them were even in their early 20s. They were all fucking, you know, late 20s, early 30s. You know, it, that's like, um, really quick, I'll say. I do love, though, 10 Things that I Hate About You because, like, Heath Ledger. Um, but that's like if you look at Greece. They're supposed to be high schoolers, and all of them are full-blown adults. I think that Olivia Newton, John, Olivia John, you know, the one who played, you know, Sandy, was, like, 10 years older than John Travolta at that time. And they're supposed to be playing high schoolers. I know, it's so weird sometimes where I'm like, you're not a kid. You're not even a teenager. But uh, I will say on the Tom Holland part real quick, <laughs> I feel like it's another like version like with Tom Hanks where I feel like he does have the range to be able to do it. But I also feel like it would be very unexpected coming from him. Like, and I think it would be that little bit more alarming to see him in a villain or role because you would not, you would probably sit there and be like, oh, he seems like such a swell guy. But I think I could also see him even being in that kind of serial killer role of, like, lulling people into a false sense of security. Yeah, because he he's, you know, a charming-looking guy. He's young-looking. He would be able to kind of act as if he's your friend and it would make it even more like alarming when he would turn on you so you could either have that or even you know i don't think that he could play say a not that he couldn't play him that's wrong but not i'm not envisioning him in like a head mobster role but like maybe the fixer you know the guy that the mob the mobster sends out to like do the killing yeah, Brittany, like, did I lose you? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a kid. He's like, oh, no, 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 he gets the shit done, though. 
Brittany, I gotta tell you on air that your uh, your connection is not so good. <laughs> Do we sound better now? I don't know why I say that a lot. Where I'm like, yeah, let me change it up a little bit. Let me shift around and see if that helps anything. I really feel like that's the case in your your in Arkansas. It's like you got to move a little, and then suddenly uh, the reception starts working. Remember, like, when we, uh, like, for a while there in our friendship where I'm like, sorry, I couldn't talk to you all day. Our uh, our tower was down all day. And you're like, yes. Oh, oh, my God. It happened all the time with Brittany. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I swear Arkansas just got, like, cell service about three years ago. Listen here. Hey, hey, not to have zero chance of ever being sponsored by that, but it was Verizon that it always went down with. AT&T's fine. Well, fuck Verizon. No. <laughs> I, left, God, no. I, I left Verizon, like, over 10 years ago. So, goodbye. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Tom Holland, <laughs> I definitely feel like could play a villain, um, and I'm excited to see him in Cherry. Brittany, what's your number six? Let me see here. Let me see. I would have to go with... You're going to laugh at me, because I really... I did not think of a villain role he's played, which I'm sure he's probably played a villain, but... But, but, but... Bruce Willis. Um... I... What'd you say? I, I would say, have you seen him in a villain role? I mean, he was... At most, maybe, like, an anti-hero. I'm trying to think, because this is a tough one. <sighs> because when you look at him, don't you think of him as a villain? Like, like that he, he would have the played, capability to play a villain. Like, an 80s villain. He kind of played, like, an asshole guy in, like, The Expendables. But then I don't think he really was the villain. He was just, like... The douchebag. Well, that's what I feel like with, uh, oh, what was it called? Is it Die Hard? Yeah. Didn't he play, like, almost, like, I've never seen the Die Hard movie, but isn't he, like, basically just, like, rough badass? Or even in uh, the movie where he used to play, like, an assassin spy, and he's, like, living a normal life now, but he, like, tracks down the girl that, like, he had, like, an infatuation with. I just feel like, in my brain, I sat there and was like, he is such a good villain, and I was sitting there going, but has he actually technically ever played a villain role? I don't know, maybe it's the bold head vibes that are making me go, hey, he's a villain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, and he doesn't play a villain in the Die Hard movies, you know. Like he's yeah. the he's the main guy, he's the hero, even though he's yeah. an asshole. So I, I don't know. I don't think he's actually played like a true villain. Not that I've seen. Again, he's just like he's like the gruff guy. He's more of like an anti-hero. I know, and that's why I'm sitting there going, like, for Bruce Willis, I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's the perfect villain. But when I sit there, I'm like, oh, he's never truly played a villain. He's more of just the gruff, like, 80s action hero that's, like, no bullshit. And that's all I can think of with them, or, like, playing, like, oh, 
the ex-hitman or like the ex-something, but oh, he may have been a bad guy at some point, but at the current time in the movie, he's a good guy that has had a change of heart, and that's why I'm sitting there, I'm like, he would, that's what he would have to be for me. You know, I, I can see this. I definitely can. Um, Wow, you just like, I feel like I'm stumped. You kind of blew my mind because I feel like... I can't think of a villain he played. Well, because when you said that, I was like, Brittany, this this is a stretch. And then I was like, if it is it, though? But is it? (laughs) I, you know, he called me on my bullshit, and then you couldn't think of a villain he played him. No, I, I... honestly can't think of one Uh, he's just as you said he's always played you know his his characters aren't always say necessarily pleasant but they're never the villains huh yes he was also in uh like like i'm gonna look real quick (laughs) because there's like i think there's a list and i'm gonna see if any of them uh the jackal and um there's actually a whole Reddit thread. Of what? Of, like, what, where any movies were Bruce Willis is the bad guy, and the list is very short. Huh. You would think he'd be, like, like crying. Villain roles, he's more of a sympathetic villain role. You would really think that, I feel like that's a market that Hollywood is not capitalizing on, unless Bruce Willis just doesn't want to play those type of roles, but I feel like he's the perfect, you know, person. I mean, geez, that's like, whoever isn't doing that is really dropping the ball there. I think I just stumped you there. Like, you were just so ready to be like, Brittany, come on. Like, I'm I stumped. Stumped. Where you're like, Brit, I know you had nothing for the list there. I'm just going to roll with it. But on that one, I was sitting there. I was like, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. I just can't think of, like, at least a mainstream movie where he has played a bad guy. No, I, I'm truly stumped. Um, you, you got me there. You really fucking did. <laughs> Why? You had me in the first half. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, shit, I, this isn't even a question, like, he definitely should be in a villain role, um, he has the look for it, he has the sound for it, he, you know, can fight, you know, he's the, he's one, like, when you think of, when you think of typical 80s action stars, who do you think of? Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, I was like, what? <laughs> no, I knew Jalen would freeze again. He still got it. He still got it. I'm sorry. He still got it. <laughs> um, I love this. I, I agree. 100%. Bruce Willis should be. He should honestly be cast in like a Marvel movie or a DC movie. I mean... He was in Sin City, which has, like, that kind of noir, comic booky feel to it. Yeah, uh, what I find sad, though, is, like, I love Bruce Willis, and I had the biggest celebrity crush on him as a kid, right? But Aww. my thing is, is that um, the dude that directs uh, Clerks, right? What's mm-hmm. his name? Kevin Smith. 
He was obsessed with Bruce Willis, he said. Like, he said he was a big fan of Bruce Willis, and then he got him to play in something, and that he was such a headache and such, like, so hard to work with that it completely killed his love of Bruce Willis. You know, I hate to say this, but I can see him kind of being a little pretentious, which is probably why he's not in a lot anymore. Like, look at Bruce Willis's filmography. He's really not in things that often. And I think... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think I was watching a Watch Mojo of, like, top ten, like, actors that are hard to work with. And I think that Bruce Willis was actually on one of them, like, for that reason. I don't know if other people had issues with him. Uh, I heard Christian Bell can be a little prickly, too. Well, yeah, he, like, fucking erupted on set of Batman one day because that, you never heard of that? That's, like, a famous thing. Like, they were filming Batman, like, the people, the spectators who were onlooking were being too loud um, while he was, you know, acting a scene, and he literally just fucking blew up on them, like, pretty much telling them to shut the fuck up. Um, But... I think Christian Bale maybe has gotten better because there hasn't been any reports of that lately. And considering he got cast in Thor Love and Thunder, I feel like Marvel doesn't really cast people who are difficult to work with because they want, you know, like a nice cohesive uh, like realm. I think that's the reason why they got rid of like Terrence Malick and replaced him with Don Cheadle because Terrence was being kind of, you know, uh, prickly himself and they were like and you know obviously demanding more money and they were like ah no we need people who get along with people <laughs> um would be a little tense even if they had him back on is i feel like everybody's chemistry is so good but it kind of goes back to the hawkeye argument where i feel like oh he's not as cohesive with the group maybe possibly for the issues with the money off stage like off the set yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I don't know. I have, like, obviously I don't know these fucking actors, but you, ever since that incident with Christian Bale, you haven't really heard anything else. So it's like maybe he's calmed down since then. Can I tell you really quick that you know, speaking about, like, blow-ups on set, you know that I'm not really a Tom Cruise fan. Like, oh, I... Yeah. I liked uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, like uh, just the movie in general, but I've not really ever been a big Tom Cruise fan, even his older stuff, even before the Scientology shit. Like I just, but my respect for him kind of rose a little recently because he was on set for Mission Impossible 7. And I guess people on set weren't really being safe, like not wearing masks or anything like that. And he kind of blew up on them saying, like, do you want this to get pushed again? Like, you know, why aren't you being safe? Like, you know, it's our responsibility to, like, you know, be safe while we're doing this. And, like, no one's paying attention to the rules or anything like that. And I was like, I kind of respect that. I'm like, I kind of respect that shit. <laughs> Especially because I think Scientology isn't exactly uh, vaccine-friendly, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, they don't believe in that shit at all. <laughs> I know. That's like his thing, like, where he didn't believe in therapy. And that was a big controversy. Because he was, like, basically saying he was smarter than a psychologist. 
Yeah, that this is what I'm saying. He he goes back and forth, like um, I think. Pe- but people love him, and uh, you know he's gonna be doing these Mission Impossible movies until he like fucking dies. Maybe on set one day. Um, no, that was bad. Let me not say that. You know what I'm saying? He does this like own stunts, and it's like, bro, are, do you have a death wish? Oh my god. What? Did I say something wrong? Like, <laughs> no, I was just laughing at you. I was just laughing. Okay. I was, so, I was also, like, t- taking in all the cats sitting by the window and thinking, God, I have way too many cats in this house. I was going to say, I can always tell when Brittany's distracted. It's in her Me? voice. Never. <laughs> I've never been uh, distracted ever. But Bruce Willis is a great option. I'll hit the next one. Um, So my pick may be a little surprising as well because he has played a villain um, once at least. And he in general usually plays an asshole. But I feel like I've never seen him as like this really like sinister like really just like sick sicko right like a sicko type of villain you know um and again we said that just because they've played a villain like once doesn't mean we don't want to see them play a villain again you know what i'm saying um but it's gonna be lee pace oh my god of course you'd put lee pace (laughs) so i know that this is a little like what he played ronin that was a villain and he was really intense as ronin and it's like i get that but besides that i don't really think he's played a villain like as as i said he's always played a bit of a pretentious asshole um which is funny because he doesn't seem like that type of person in real life like but he's really good at playing it on screen. I mean, he's played Thrandall in the Hobbit movies. He played Joe McMillan in Halting Hitchcock. Such an asshole. But I don't think that I've really ever seen him as this, like, very, like, really villainous, scary, sort of, like, sick character. And it's like, we obviously see that he can be this very intense sort of villain from Ronan, but we haven't seen that again. They got rid of Ronan way too quickly. I feel like he would have been a good repeat villain. But Marvel has the thing about, like, killing them off at the end, like, always tying up a loose end, except for Loki, who they keep killing off and bringing back. Even in his final death, oh, whoop, we went back in the past. Here you go. Here's Loki again. (laughs) I have, like, two theories about that, right? One is, um, you know, one is that they have, like, a lot of villains in Marvel that they want to get to. And they're like, if we let one, if we keep letting them live, it's like, then we're going to have to bring them back. And, you know, we want to really, like, get through all these others, right? My other theory as to why they keep killing them off is, um, so Disney, right? is a family-friendly, you know, uh, studio. It's been around for decades now. And at some at some point in movie history was this thing called, like, the motion picture associate something, right? It was a clause that went on from, like, the late 1930s to the early 1960s that had rules, like, pretty much purity rules for movies. Um, 
it's the reason why if you watch movies during that time where you don't see people kiss, right? Uh, it's a rule. Yeah. Like there's no, no kissing for more than three seconds. You can't show them having sex with each other. And then one of the rules in that is um, you can never make the bad guy sympathetic and the good guy must always win at the end. You know? That's so, so stupid though. Well, you know, the whole thing was made by this like overly Christian dude who like, you know, was – a douchebag, but um, obviously then that went away in the 60s. They finally got rid of that clause. But So even though that was done in the 60s, I feel like Disney being such an old company still kind of um, falls into that category where it's like, well, you know, the hero must always triumph at the end. You know, the, the villain must always die. They must always be defeated. And I think that's what made, say, Infinity War so surprising was that at the end, the villain winning. It was like, oh, my God, they did that. But for the most part, I feel as if there's that sort of old-timey um, mentality where it's like, well, you know, the villain has to die in the end. We have to show that to kids. Which is kind of, like, messed up. It's almost like saying, like, I don't know, it's kind of, like, insulting to their intelligence to be like, we don't think you can handle the multifacetedness of, like, oh, the villain isn't always just bad for bad guy reasons. You know, sometimes they do it for their family, and it's like, no, they almost wanted them to, like, be like, oh, well, they're bad, so they have to be defeated. It's, like, it's very, it overly simplifies it. Yeah, exactly, and... Um, it is unfortunate that someone like Ronan was killed off because he, I think Lee Pace and that character had lasting ability for the MCU, especially since they're going into space a bunch. And, um, not that I'm say overly familiar with the comics, but in the comics, from what I've read, not only is Ronan in it a lot, but he also falls under at some points into the category of an anti-hero um, where then he suddenly like starts helping out and shit. And you could have put that, you know, like you could have done it. Like, you know how much I love Loki, but like Loki's not the only like villain Loki, turn into a good guy. I love him, but he's overused as like the reused villain. Yeah, but I'm still excited for the Loki show. Like, I'm still no, like- no, I'm excited too. <laughs> That's not me beeping on it, but I'm just saying, like, he's the one villain besides Thanos who they brought back continuously. Yeah, and it's um, it's unfortunate with Ronan because, like, I think James Gunn did a great job using Ronan. Obviously, we had some really great scenes in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. But then they brought him back for Captain Marvel, and in such a small capacity when you could have really um, had a lot of fun with that and really did a lot with it. I would have liked to see it. I would have liked to, too. I would love to see Lee Pace return to the Marvel Universe as Ronan or even as someone else. Like, even if they... I mean, mean, he looks pretty unrecognizable under all that blue. So I feel like they could get away (laughs) with reusing him. 
I feel like that's what they're doing with um I think we talked about this last week when we talked about the Eternals and how um they're reusing the actress Gemma Chan who played a character called Minerva in Captain Marvel but now she's playing Cersei in the Eternals um in Captain Marvel as Minerva she was blue so now in the Eternals she's not blue so I'm like you could do the same with Lee Pace like you know, he yeah. had a lot of, he was blue, he had a lot of that, like, you know, black smudge on him, he had a lot of armor on, like, contacts. You know, you con- yes, colored contacts, so you take all that away, we, we can, we can forget. <laughs> I, I just, I think Lee Pace would make a really good bad guy. Um, we've seen him command the screen pretty much as Ronan. And I think when you have someone like that, that he could do a fantastic job um, again. And we see him as an asshole, so just tweak that a little. <laughs> I, I I feel I, bad. So, so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say something stupid. I was just going to say whenever you said I feel like he would make a really good bad guy. So I thought you were going to say bake, and all my brain thought was, oh, I bet he could bake a really mean cake. And I was like, you know what? Me too. I, I think I think he's got some baking skills. Brittany, where does your head go? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> What is this podcast today? Um, Freaking, what was I going to say? I feel bad for, like, continuously saying, like, Lee Pace plays assholes. Because, again, he seems like a really nice guy. If you're listening, Lee Pace, I know you're not. But I think you're swell. Um, But he always plays, like, a douchebag. Like, Joe McMillan and Thrandall were the most pretentious assholes ever. He plays good pretentious. Like, for a second, I thought he played... uh... Draco Malfoy's dad in Harry Potter. He's been so good. Like he has the look. You know what it is? It's those fucking eyebrows of his. Like if they ever got rid of those eyebrows, it would be like, wait, what? Who is this? I don't know who I this feel is. Like it's very iconic for him to have blonde hair and really dark brows. Well, you know, I feel like in Hollywood, like yes, your acting sets you apart, but you have to have a look as well, right? I think that's why. Um. What's that actress's name? Cara Delvine or something like that. The one who played um, Enchantress in Suicide Squad. Like her really like pronounced eyebrows. You know oh, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like the uh, Irish or Scottish actor. I can't remember which one. That has the Glasgow smile. Like the big scar. He played. Uh, oh, he's really good in things. the Shelby's dad. He plays a lot. Like, he not only was, like, the Shelby dad, he was also in this, like, he was in this show called... Uh, it's hmm. also in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, but he was in this show called, oh, Woo Assassins on Netflix. Um, He played a villain in that. I think he's really good, that actor. But you're right, he has that sort of, like, that look. Well, Jason Momoa has a scar on his um, eyebrow, and that makes him, like, oh, yeah, very... yeah, it's very, like, I think of that a lot, yeah. I mean, to me, it makes him, like, look fine as fuck, but... <laughs> I'm going to say Bruce Willis is really known for his bald head. Oh, my God, when he has hair in rolls, it trips me up so badly. I'm like, I'm like, like you? no, just keep it bald. 
That's like when they try and put hair on Corey Stoll, and I'm like, why? He's he's naturally bald. Like, let these bald guys be bald. Like, I don't understand why you have to force some hair on them. Like, it's it's so terrible whenever they put, like, a wig on him. It's so obvious. It's like, oh, God, who did this? <laughs> I feel like you could, like, find a villain role. I don't know why villains just look better when they have a bald head. Unless they it's Frank do. Grillo. Yeah, I couldn't imagine Frank Grillo bald. I feel like that's a no-no. Um, he has a good He has a good set of hair, though, and he's, like, 55 years old, so I feel like he's going to keep his hair. Um the more you know. Uh, let's move on, though. Brittany, oh. what's your number four? Let's see here real quick. Let me see. And I have so many. I'm just trying to make sure that... Um, you know who ended up on a list? And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Clint Eastwood has never played a villain. He was on the list of characters that have never played a villain. Mm. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I I will look it again. Like, give me five seconds. I will look again. I'm almost positive. He was on the same list as Tom Hanks as never playing a villain. That's so weird. I feel like he... I guess because, again, he falls into that category of, like, old-time actor that, like, plays, you know, always, like, the hero and everything, you know, instead of the villain. I'm trying to say, like, like, okay, it said that technically he's played a villain, but it's kind of like, I'm trying to think of the word for it. So technically he's kind of played a bad guy, but it's always seen as kind of like an anti-hero role. But I think it still comes from John Wayne, you know, the cowboy actor, the old Western actor. He never played a villain, and I think when you're playing those old Western kind of characters... It definitely blurs the line of what exactly is a villain. Uh, Gran Turismo, you know, is that the name of the movie? Is that what I'm thinking of? Not Gran Turismo. God, I'm thinking of the game. Gran Torino. Gran Torino. Yes. Like, he plays an old racist man, but, you know, he learns to, like, be better than that and actually turns into the hero at the end. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, Clint Eastwood, I guess he's, like, known for his roles of, like, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and things like that. Um, I mean, Clint Eastwood, like, Clint Eastwood obviously is in, like, he is a, how do I say this? He's not very well-liked in the, in the, in the popular eye right now, you know, because he has very, um, uh, you know what I'm trying to say here, Brittany? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. He's a very, like, right-wing type of person, you know? So it's oh, like... Okay, okay, I got you. you. Know. But, I mean, he's had such a long career of acting. Being, I think his, like, his real, like, comeuppance was being in those westerns, right? Like that's kind of what you you know you know him for and then uh he has this like lines like you know go ahead make my day you know you feel lucky punk you know things like yeah, that even if he's the hero because he's such an asshole and seems so scary in it 
it, it he like capitalized i think on the time where the badass you know hero is uh was the thing you know like i think that was his thing um but and then he became a director and i mean i thought the movie that he directed a couple of years ago richard jewel was really good um i know it had oh. its con what'd you say i don't think i've seen that it had its controversies, but I thought that the performance from the main actor of the movie was really touching, and Kathy Bates is in it, and John Hamm, and I thought it was really well... John Hamm was good in it, but he was like, you hated him in that movie. <laughs> the whole... Do you know what it was? The whole movie is based on, like, a real story of the real Richard Jewell, who is, like, a security guard at the Olympics when it was took place here in America in, like, the 90s. And, oh, I just know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about, but you can go ahead and explain, but I, I'm picking up what's putting down now. Yeah, and so he was a security guard, and he was able to detect a bomb that was you know, place somewhere and he was able to get people out of the vicinity once it like, you know, went off, which saved a lot of people. So at first the media like hailed him as a hero, but then um, the FBI was a little suspicious of him because, you know, he was like the closest to it. And Richard Jewell, you know, was always maybe a little um, overzealous i not you know he was one of those guys the guy that wanted to be the hero exactly exactly and so then um the media like the newspaper uh kind of found that out and they ran with it and they painted richard jewell as this you know villain and so then he was just like slandered in the media forever as the bad guy and then they eventually you know found out after so many like they i think after a little bit um after a few months it came out where they were like okay he's not the perpetrator and then a few years later they caught who the actual bomber was um so you know i can see where a movie like that would be divisive especially coming from someone like clint eastwood who is very right-wing and the movie's all about painting the media poorly during a time where we had a president talking about fake news and the evil media and stuff but it's like for me and you know my beliefs and everything like i'm so not on that spectrum of you know the right wings and everything um but whatchamacallit it i just saw the movie for what it was I just watched the movie as the movie, and I thought that the main character did such a phenomenal job in his role, um, and Kathy Bates did such a phenomenal job as, like, the mother, and Sam Rockwell was in it. My whole point is it was a really good fucking movie, like, despite its controversy, I was like, I like this movie, and I think it was really well done, and I think the fact that the main character didn't get nominated for an Oscar that year was criminal. <laughs> That's why I'm always torn because there's like so many movies where like I'll watch something and I'll really love it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then something will happen and then you're like, well, am I allowed to still like it for that reason? Or do you feel like you have to do research into every movie before you actually watch it to like make sure? Do you just enjoy it for what it is? Because it's sort of like, um, oh, what was it? Say, who is the not 
we talked about him on one of these top ten about the he was a director I believe who was like really good who ended up like um, having to like flee the country for like pedophile charges and then like um, oh Mr. oh um fuck oh isn't he the guy who mixed up with uh, the dude who uh, oh is in uh, Zombieland. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, but I'm thinking of something Woody. Oh, Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Woody, yeah, 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 because I got confused, and I was like, wait, is it Woody Allen? Is that who we're talking about? No, I'm thinking of the dude that, like... Are you thinking about Roman Polanski? No, because uh, Woody... Let's see, Woody Allen. Yeah, I'm thinking of Woody Allen. Yeah, Woody Allen, who, like, married his fucking adopted daughter once she, like, came of age. Yeah, yeah, and I think he left the country. But, yeah, Woody Allen was a great director and produced a lot of really great things, but then it is kind of marred by the... But I will say, that's sort of like, I can't watch Land Before Time. You've heard about the whole thing with Land Before Time, right? I think I have, yeah. It's like, I can't watch... The girl died, right? She was murdered by her father and, like, horribly abused, like, to the point that, like, she would pull out her own eyelashes. And she was, like, really tiny. And so every time I hear the yip, 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 and also she has yip, yip, yip on her tombstone, I believe. So, I don't know, it's just really depressing. And so, like, the old one before time, whenever I see Ducky, it makes me want to cry. Yeah, it's like, can you enjoy these movies? Because it's, like, obviously, like, I don't, like, I don't land on, like, I don't agree with Clint Eastwood politically, right? And yeah. I know and I know that there is controversy surrounding the movie because the main report, in the movie, the reporter played by Olivia Wilde um, sleeps with John Hamm's character, who's an FBI agent, to get the information about Richard Jewell. The thing is, though, that that reporter unfortunately passed away in real life um so there's no telling if that actually happened or not and people were saying you know it's unfair for you to slander a dead person to say that they got their information by sleeping with someone when it's like there's no proof of that actually happening and she's not around to defend herself so it's like but then at the same time, I think, like, Clint Eastwood or the people behind it were, like, it was just, like, a creative decision. And then, of course, you know, then there was a controversy that that falls into some, you know, gender stereotypes that's, like, an outdated, of course, you know, thing. Like, oh, look, the female reporter has to sleep her way around. So it's, like, I got all of that, that, like, that – and, you know, Clint Eastwood is old, so it's, like, I'm not excusing him, but it's like, of course, he thinks like that story-wise makes sense, you know. It's like, yeah, uh, you like know, taking someone that did like the old westerns and how everything had to go in a certain kind of order. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm not trying to defend at all because even me watching it, I was like, ah, okay, you're the one woman you have and. Not the one woman because Kathy Bates is in it, but you know your women in this movie are very, oh, very stereotyped. But, very tight casted. 
Very typecasted, yes. You know, you have the grieving, grieving mother and then the promiscuous reporter. So it's like I got all of that. But performance-wise, performance-wise, the performances done in that movie were phenomenal. I kind of, like, overrode everything else, huh? For me, at least. Like, the actor, Paul Weiser, I don't know his name, but he's been in things. He's really good. I feel like he needs to get more roles. But anyway, we are going in circles right now. Clint Eastwood, um, definitely. Uh, but I think right now he's probably just, you know, concentrated on directing stuff. But um, it's just funny to learn that he's never really played a villain because I feel like he should have. <laughs> I know. I, I felt like that, too, when I was, like, seeing the list and when he was on the same list as Tom Hanks. I was like, wait a second here. Yeah, that's very unusual. But um, let's move on to number three. Uh, my character that I'm going to put here, um, I think should definitely play a villain, and it's going to be Chris Evans. Now, Ooh, I had him on my list, too, so I'm all about that. I'm sorry, did you have a no, backup? No, I, I have plenty, I have plenty. Okay, Chris Evans is obviously a phenomenal actor, while people obviously know him primarily as, uh, you know, Captain America. He's been in so many things, so many great movies. Puncture was phenomenal. Um, Snowpiercer was great. And I think that he's played a range of people. I mean, I've seen movies. He was in this movie called Iceman where he played like uh, like a drug addict, you know, assassin, um, you know, Puncture playing this, uh, you know, drug addicted lawyer in Snowpiercer, you know, uh, was so phenomenal and even everything that he brought to the role of captain america was great and it's so funny because we see him as like a serious actor for the most part right um while you know of course you know the marvel movies aren't dramas but steve was always a bit more serious a little bit more wooden right um really like world war ii and everything He, he had some shit on his plate yeah, and then uh, I loved him in the recent Apple series, Defending Jacob, was such a great drama. But, I mean, he, if you think about start his career in, say, comedy, um, uh, he was in Not Another Teen Movie. He played Johnny Storm, a very funny uh, character. So he has, like, the ability to really just have such range with his characters. Um And so I think that he would play a very good villain because he kind of did play a bit of a bad guy in Knives Out. I mean, not kind of a bad guy, a real bad guy. He did kill his grandfather and then tried to pin it on uh, the main character, Ana de Armas' character. Um, So, you know. He also was in, uh, what's, oh, uh, oh. Well, I can't remember, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Right, right. But, you know, he was playing more of, like, a, not really a villain. Yeah, yeah silly or, role. Like, yeah, silly role. But I think because he has such a knack for range and the fact that he played a bad guy kind of in Knives Out, I think he could really go full into it. 
Like, if he was given a script to really just play this, like, over-the-top villain bad guy, I think he could, like, act circles around people. I think he'd be great in it. Chris Evans is a phenomenal actor, um, and just because he's played a comic book character for about 10 years doesn't take away from that. And as I said, I think what he brought to um, the character also proved just how great he is. So, yeah, I think I think Chris Evans would be, like, top-notch. So you said that you had him on, on your list as well. What made you think that he'd be a great villain? I just feel like when you have someone that, like, large and alarming, uh, especially when you could see him as playing Captain America, and he had those glimpses of moments where you're like, oh, man, he's really pissed off. But if you were to able to take away that barrier of, like, oh, he's the good guy, he won't fully go through with something, and just had him as, like, a fucking force of nature against something, it would be very intimidating. I could also see him, and this sounds bad, I and I'm, I'm trying to figure it. it's not him, but I could see him in the role of, say, like, an abusive husband type, like, uh, who was it? Was it Alexander Skarsgård that played a abusive husband? Oh, yeah, in Pretty Little Liars. Not Pretty Little Liars, wow. I can see him in a role like that. Yes. It's not Pretty Little Liars. I don't know. Big Little Lie. I got little. Yeah, and, big, uh, Pretty and, Little Lie. I don't It's like, eh, close enough. Uh, it's that size enough. of wine. <laughs> But, um, yeah, he could, you know what, that's very true. He could play the imposing character really well. There's been several times in the MCU where Cap has kind of been, you know, pissed and uh, has put his, like, foot down and everything. I could definitely see that. And that's where I'm like, I kind of just, I don't know. I would love to see him just in the villain aspect of, like, I'm trying to find the word for it. It's kind of like when you've seen someone be the good guy for so long, you're like, okay, I'm ready for, like, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that he could also have a lot of fun with it because, as I said, he kind of started his career in more of a sarcastic, jokey sort of way. And you could tell in Knives Out that he was having fun with it because he, it was kind of a return to form um, where he was more playful and just such an asshole. Um, his character to me was the standout, really. That and Ana de Armas, who's just so amazing. Maybe she would make a good villain. She always plays like Maybe such so. a... Maybe she always plays such a villain. Yes, 100%. We do have some great ones, though, like Angelina Jolie has played, like, fantastic villains and stuff like that. But um, I don't know why I just thought about Ana de Armas. I just started laughing there, like, just thinking about, like, Ben Affleck dating Ana de Armas. And, like, I was talking to the guys over at Geek Fives, and they're like, you know, Ben just seems so much happier lately. I'm like, yeah, there's someone who's responsible for that. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god um but yeah no i think that chris evans would do well, yeah. sorry go ahead no, no you go ahead 
I was just going to say, like, Chris Evans uh, has the stature. He's a tall guy. He's quite built. Um, I think that he even has it in his eyes to play a bad guy. And even though he isn't, I think he would get into character really well. I don't think Chris Evans is the type of person to be a method actor. I've never heard anything about that, but I think that he could really get into that sort of mindset if he was given the opportunity. I don't think it would be so hard to pull yourself out of a hole, like, with method acting. I, um, it's one of those things where it's, like, I respect method acting, but to an extent. Like, um, you hear about, say, John Bernthal, who says that he you know, for Frank Castle, he stayed in character even when they said cut. And it's like, I get that, you know, where um, say they cut for like an hour. You don't want to get out of it because then it might be hard to get back into it, right? Or where they said Heath Ledger literally kept a journal as the Joker. And I'm like, I get that. You're really like really crafting. But I watched um this thing where, uh, you know, again, man, the H3H3, we mention all the time, but they did a, a content court. I don't know if you know what that is, that they have, like, a thing where they do content court. They did a content court recently on Jared Leto and talking about, like, how a, much of a method actor he is and, like, what he did when he was playing the Joker. And I'm kind of like, you know, that kind of goes too far. Like, you don't need to do that. You don't need to be sending people used condoms. You don't need to be sending people dead rats or something. That actually harbors quite a negative, uh, like, working relationship with people. Oh, yeah. I feel like, oh, yeah, funny. And then if they sent me dead rats, I'd be pretty upset. Yeah, exactly. So I think there has to be a limit to your method acting. Um, Because, again, as I said, there's nothing wrong with, like, say, wanting to keep in character in between takes so that you don't fall out of it. But then when it goes to, like, too far, then it's – you can't really get on board with it. No, I feel that – I try to think of who else. Uh, Christian Bale's a method actor too, isn't he? I well, he ha- God, he has to be for the amount of roles where he's had to like say lose a lot of weight and gain a lot of weight. I mean, Jesus Christ, he is definitely an actor who goes all into roles. No, I was seeing that because I heard like. Somebody talking, like, about how he lost so much weight that they were, like, literally, like, please don't lose any more. You'll die. And he was like, I "I can go further. I think I told you that, or maybe you just heard it, the same thing I heard. But um, he was in this one movie called The Machinist, and that's probably the movie you're talking about where he literally was, like, a skeleton. I mean, it's just – and it was a fantastic (laughs) It was a fantastic movie, don't get me wrong. Such a um such a psychological mindfuck. But apparently he only ate one can of tuna per day to lose weight. And he got down to a hundred and twenty pounds. And he originally wanted to get down to ninety pounds. And that's when the director was like Jesus dude, Christ. <laughs> that's when the the director's like, dude, you're thin enough. Like, this is perfect. This is this is what we want. This is fine. Like, we don't need you to lose any more weight. And he's like, No, 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 I could do it. And they're like, No, 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 please don't. <laughs> they're like, 
Well, that's the point of being like, nice, just please don't do it. Please, for the love of God. We're about to have no actor at this point. (laughs) Another story I heard was when um, Christopher Nolan was pitching Christian Bale as the new Batman to Warner Brothers. It was right after um, uh, Christian Bale had filmed The Machinist. And so he was on his way to gaining weight, but he was, like, really out of shape, right? And so when yeah. he so when he was brought into, you know, the meeting, the people at, like, Warner Brothers were saying, oh, my God, he's, like, so out of shape. He's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and Christian Bale's like, give me, like, two or three months. I'll be fucking solid. And he did. He, like, fucking, like, just chiseled himself out in, like, two or three Jesus. months. And they're like, okay, we can now get behind this guy being our Batman. Golly. I, that would be the type of stuff that would make you not want to be, like, an actor afterwards. Yeah, I don't know. Like, for me, you know, I've had so much problems with my weight throughout my life that I don't think I would be willing, you know. Like, I don't get me wrong. If Marvel casted me and they were like, hey, we need you to lose, like, 60 pounds and we'll give you a personal trainer to do it, I'd be like, hell yeah. But if I were, say, thinner... And they were like, hey, we need you to gain, like, 20 pounds for this role. I think that that would make me feel very um, dysphoric, if that makes sense. Yeah, it would be hard because you – it's like I have hard enough, like, thing right now, like, about swearing off a Red Bulls. Like, if somebody was like, oh, yeah, we need you to, like, drop more pounds or, you know, do this, I'd be like, but, but, <laughs> but. Well, for me, it just be like. For me, it would just be like I've spent so long trying to lose weight, and now you want me to gain weight? Like, I just, I couldn't do it. Um, Just as uh, Charlize Theron uh, gained weight to play that character in Monster, or how Renee Zellweger, um, you know, gained weight for her roles. It was just like, I, I don't know if I could do that. But Christian Bale, man, he's okay with it. He's okay with going up and down like that. So more power to him. Can't wait to see him in Thor Love and Thunder. Me too. I was going to say, I think another thing is, it's just like on the commentary part of it, I think women feel like, you know, our worth is so tied to like our weight that it would be hard to like drop and start all over again because there's at least like the mental aspect of it because women do hold on to weight easier than men do. So it's a little like, oh no, it's like, that that's not something you just drop in five seconds whenever somebody's like, yeah, I need you to be a certain way. Be like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I feel like I would, like, suffer a degree of, like, dysphoria, like, looking in the mirror if that was the case. Like, and that's just me being honest. Like, I just don't think that I could handle that. But, again, if they wanted to cast me and give me a trainer to lose weight and become, like, in shape and I can look like Scarlett Johansson or something, then, like, hell yeah. Yeah, 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 we're all over that. We're all over that. But, um... So my number three is Chris Evans. Brittany, what is your number two? You've inspired me. I'm going with Anne Hathaway. Yes. She could do it. She could do it. Yeah, she played Catwoman, but do we really count that to you? 
No, because it's like she was, you know, like we all know Catwoman has always been like not a bad guy. She's uh she's an antihero. Yeah. Well, I was just sitting there. I was sitting there looking at Beck, and I was like, I feel like between like singing capabilities, which I'm like, I feel like a good villain should be able to sing. And I was joking. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I feel like she, it goes back to the range. Like, I feel like she has it in her to play a good villain. And I think it's Emma Stone that's playing Cruella Deville, right? But I feel like Anne Hathaway also too would have been a great choice for it. For the yeah. same reason that you just would not see it coming. Oh my god. Anne Hathaway would be so good in a villain role. Holy shit. I, I have a toy where I'm like, what kind of villain do you think she would be, though? Like, oh my do god, you she think would totally she... be like a high-class villain with like fucking Gucci Prada stilettos and shit. I feel that, too. I feel like she'd be the type of villain that's like, uh, she was like, I was scorned once, and now I will never be scorned again. Oh, my gosh, she would definitely play a villain where some guy, like, fucked her over, and now it's like she kills men <laughs> for sport. You know what? I'm fine with that. I mean, I can agree. I'm here for her. I'm, I'm not going to consider <laughs> nobody. I swear. hell hath no fury like a woman scorned that would be her her motto there she'd be amazing i better go on aaron about that (laughs) (laughs) reminder um and oh wow Brittany, that's such a good choice anne hathaway would play such a fantastic villain i know i've said this before but for the new listeners here um I think I told you that when they first casted her as Catwoman, I couldn't see it because prior to that, I only knew her from the Princess uh, Diaries movies, you know? Such good movies. Such great movies. Don't get me wrong. I love those movies, especially as someone who kind of felt like her in those movies. You know, big glasses for ZS hair, unpopular, you know, shit like that. Um, Oh, I love those movies, but when they cast her, I was like, oh, she doesn't, like, ooze what Selena Kyle is. And then when you see The Dark Knight Rises and, you know, in the first five minutes where she's, like, this meek little uh, maid, and then suddenly when she, like, her face drops and she's like, oops, and she, like, just kicks the cane oh, from I'm yes. like, oh, that that change that change it was so flawless in that second i immediately like changed my tune i said oh we're in for something and she did it so like magnificently that i but of course as we said she's not the villain and catwoman's never really been a villain she's a she's a thief you know and uh, that doesn't make her the villain quick it was almost alarming though how she dropped the facade yeah, I remember being so confused, like, what? What just happened? I didn't realize. I was like, oh, she's cute. She's sweet. Because you know I like those kind of characters. So when I was like, oh, no, what? What just happened? <laughs> I loved her character in this. She, and, like, physically, too, she did it really well. Like, the way she, like, moved her body and how, like, she was just so flawless in it. Like, you can tell that she didn't feel any sort of restraint. She didn't feel any sort of hesitation. She moved so well in that character that, oh, I'd love to see her as a villain again. She'd be so fucking good. (laughs) 
I feel like she'd be very fun. If like, if that makes sense, she would be. And you know, again, she's a phenomenal actress. Like, I thought she did such an amazing job in Les Mis. And it's funny that I want to talk about Les Mis. No, <laughs> why? I'll cry again. <laughs> I had a dream that my life would no! be. Just <laughs> <laughs> start crying. Yeah, that made me cry too. But you know, it's funny. I'll just say one thing. From the promotions of Les Mis, I thought Anne Hathaway had a much bigger role than she did. And her role really wasn't that big, but it was just so powerful and rememberable. So again, that's the power of Anne Hathaway. It's also like she's the catalyst for a lot of the story aspect that happens in the, the play, movie, musical, whatever you want to call it. Can I tell you, this is so stupid of me, you know, and it's been a while since I've seen Les Mis, and I've only seen it once, so I may not know as much, but you know the scene where they're, like, obviously fighting for their revolution, and, like, you know, they're waving flags, and they're singing about the people, you know, and all that, right? Yeah. Do you know, like, that's what came to mind when Biden won the election? I just started playing that on YouTube. I feel like I saw some things on Twitter like that, where it was, like, I think it was, like, because it was such a push, right? And, like, not for nothing, not in a bad way, because I voted for Biden, too, but I just felt like there was, I felt like the odds were against him and the way, like, the media was swaying back and forth and at least what I was hearing. I was like, there's no way. There's no way he's going to win, even though I want him to win. I just felt like it wasn't possible because, you know, historically, the, uh the current president normally goes into their second term, right? Exactly. And so when he actually won, I was like, like, it was like such an uproar. I was like, oh, my God, it actually happened. If I had an American flag in my house, I would have, like, waved it out of the window at that point. Like, (laughs) you know what made me so sad during that point? Because, like, I may live in a very urban sort of uh, neighborhood, but it's not very crowded, right? Like, the streets aren't really, say, crowded as much. So uh, this is where I'm getting at with this. When Biden won, I was seeing videos of, like, people in New York City, people in, like, cities across the country, like, you know, honking their horns, shouting from their apartments, playing music, dancing. And I expected that from my neighborhood nothing crickets and i was like are you kidding me <laughs> this looks so much fun people are celebrating in new york city like why are they not celebrating here <laughs> i thought it's like i feel like uh, like um not for nothing because it's like i love my state but you, you know you okay. know they're holding the funerals and everything <laughs> I, I, like, the funeral. I, I felt like i was like okay we're being a little dramatic here uh, like even to be like, Facebook was not the place to go at that point. Oh, and like I, I said, like, that I, I told myself that I wasn't gonna go to Facebook for like two weeks after, because I already know like people that I know in real life were fucking sad, mad, and all that. I know, and but you ever find like just funny and like not to like fully go into politics and stuff. <laughs> Who cares? We're already like, diving I, into I, it. They're like. You're like, you have to accept it. You know, you can't be upset about it because that's just how the way elections work. But then the same people are like, absolutely, like, still haven't accepted the elections. They're still like, there's no way it was rigged. It was this. And you're like, 
what? God, yes. It's like, bro, four years ago when he, you know, Trump was elected, it's like you had all those people who were, like, rubbing people's face, like, ah, and it's like, you know, we hated it, but we accepted it, you know? We weren't, you know, trying to overturn anything. We were just like, fuck, this is so, like, disappointing. And we dealt with it for the next four years. And it's like, okay, now it's, like, on the other foot and it's like they're having such a hard time accepting it they're like we're gonna overturn it it's not possible like he's not leaving you know or even recount or even like the and it's really sad seeing the religious officials get so angry like seeing like all these like really big evangelists who are like you know so angry over it and it's like you're supposed to be someone of god like uh yeah you're like i feel like you should have a separation there you should have a separation and it's like i'm sorry i know that it's like this is very political of us to be talking about on a top 10 but it's it's something that's happening currently i've come to the conclusion that you know in my life in the past i've always said like i'm not a political person but you as you become an adult you realize how much politics affect you because these are literally the people who are making the laws and the rules to affect you and it's like how can i not talk about it now granted i'm not going to be crazy about it and start yelling because i feel like that doesn't do anything productive but how can i not talk about it well it's almost like i'm starting to feel like the youtube pushing this a little bit different but like with twitch uh, it just got, there was a senator or like a congressman, I can't remember, who was pushing so hard. Uh, and if you see his donations and stuff, it's like big media companies that were donating to him to try to get him to push for uh, that, it, like breaking copyright could be a felony that you could be imprisoned for. And on Twitch and YouTube, normally it's like, oh, you know, just take it down if it got like that but they're like actually wanting to persecute you for it now i even if it's an accident do you know how many irl streamers there are that may walk into a grocery store and just hear like music playing and they can't do anything about it no to me that's just ridiculous you know i think that the whole thing is really just like there feels like there's such a censorship from the group of people who talk about how it's freedom of speech, I can say whatever I want, but, you know, as soon as uh, you have people who are trying to counter what they say, then it's like, oh, no, we're going to tell them to shut the fuck up. We're going to shut them down. And it's like, you can't have it. as I do. Huh? People that are like, do as I say, not as I do. And it's like, you know, you have to have it. If you sit there, right, and you're sitting there using a platform to spew your really hateful rhetoric, you can't then turn around and say that other people are not allowed to say what they want to say because it's like that's freedom of speech. What's protecting you from saying things like that is also protecting people from countering it. So it's like, I don't know. Like, for me, I always think of myself as it's free speech. Like, I live in America. I want to say what I want to say. And that also means that the other person is also allowed to say what they want to say. I don't know. It's so ridiculous. It's so crazy, Brittany. Like, the world we live in, it's going to be so interesting in a couple of weeks when Biden uh, goes into the office. I think 
we're literally going to see with both of our families some meltdowns happening. <laughs> I already know a few people on my side that are, are going to meltdown. <laughs> I'm already prepared for it. I know. Like, that's already, like, like already. Like, I, you know, I stay away from, like, Facebook and stuff. And, like, Aaron will tell me, I'm like, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, are you with someone on Facebook that's being stupid? And it's, like, over stuff like that like where they're like i'm not gonna accept it and aaron's like well you gotta that's just the way it is and they're like no i don't and it's like well it's still your president and that that, but that's what i'm saying it's like four years ago you had people on the other side that were like you have to accept that you know trump is your president it's like all right i don't like it but i guess i'll accept it it's like hello here it is on the same foot on the different foot now like what are you doing Brittany, we just, like, lost all our viewers. No, I'm joking. <laughs> They're like, why are these two girls talking about politics? But as I said, we can't help it sometimes. Like, this is real-world things that we just feel like talking about, right? Uh, what does uh, um, Trixie Mattel and Kasha say? They're like, because it's our show and not your Yeah, right? It's our show. Have we can talk about them? whatever. Yes, it's our show. We yeah, can talk like, what, what we want. It's so dramatic. I just laughed so hard. I'm just <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's the truth, but all right. It's our show, and we can talk about it. <laughs> um, but let's oh get gosh. back. Let's get back on track here. Um, I'm just saying, you know, we were just, ever on track. Yeah, no, we. I feel like this whole podcast we've not been on track, but uh, we are down to the number one of top ten unlikely actors who should play villains. Um, hey, that kind of makes sense now. We were talking about the presidents, and the one who's currently in the White House is a villain. There you go. I'm putting it out there now. <laughs> um, There's your number one, one Tia. Oh, God, I can't even talk about him sometimes. Um, but let's go down to the list before we get to number one. We have Adam Sandler, Zac Efron, Tom Hanks, Tom Holland, Bruce Willis, Lee Pace, Clint Eastwood, Chris Evans, Anne Hathaway, and the number one, the person who I so strongly think should play a villain and that Hollywood should stop just putting him in comedies sometimes. I mean, he's great in comedies too, but, you know, like, let's have some variety. Is Paul Rudd. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I was like the one that jumped through this whole discussion. Paul Rudd to me is just, so we obviously know Paul Rudd is a very funny person. He has played a plethora of funny roles throughout the years that has always brought us so many laughs, right? So many laughs. Um, So many. And he's currently our Scott Lang. He's fantastic as Ant-Man. I mean, shit. Like, it was so cool him being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, just because I think at that point he was really, like, the first official comedian, really. Or him and Chris Pratt were, like, the real, like, they were the comedians, like, coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's like, you can feel that from Scott Lang. He's just great. But... I think Paul Rudd has, like, much stronger acting chops than we're aware of. And I will give you two examples. One is the movie Mute that came out on Netflix a couple of years ago, starred Alexander Skarsgård. Um, admittedly, I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie. 
Um, the movie felt like it was trying to capitalize on altered carbon because it feels very similar. You know, altered carbon. I will say that, like when you talked about it and showed me some clips, I was like, altered carbon. Yeah, it very is altered carbon, and it's weird because I think Alexander Skarsgård's a good actor, but he just didn't shine at all in this movie. But Paul Rudd, so really breakdown really quickly of this movie takes place in the future, very cyberpunk-ish, you know, and Paul Rudd plays a um, a uh, a surgeon who is getting money so that he can pay for passports so that he can leave Germany and go back to America. Cause you find out that he's like an expat who went a wall during like some war in the future. And he's trying to get back to America and he's a fucking asshole. Like Paul, <laughs> tell me Paul, how you really felt to Paul Rudd in a way that you have never seen Paul Rudd. I mean, he is mean. He is cursing constantly. He is vicious. He's, yeah, he's vicious. He, and he is a killer in it as well. I mean, he's a a bit sadistic, admittedly, and he's dangerous. Like, I feel him being dangerous. So, like, I could go on and on, like, just the way he flexed in that movie, I was like, oh, my God, like, I've never seen Paul Rudd like this, and it was so great, it was so refreshing, Um, and in the movie at some point, right, so in the movie, he has this friend who also is a surgeon along with him, who works with him, and they kind of allude to the fact that the two of them also had a romantic relationship at one point, even though that's not going on at the current point but um the guy you you can tell is a fucking pedophile right like they don't know they don't ever show anything right but it's so eluded there it's so eluded that this guy is really creepy with kids and paul rudd's character who has a daughter um himself at some point and they've been friends for years but i think it's like kind of like clicking in his head like my fucking friend's a pedophile and oh wow and the way he threatens his friend at some point is so scary and so dangerous and it's so believable it doesn't feel as if paul rudd is pretending it really just gets me there and um it was just such a fantastic performance i was like i've never seen paul rudd like this and he is doing it so well like such an asshole villain it was like powerful almost to me and then the second um kind of little thing it's not huge right um but it still showed me a glimpse that he has the capacity um he did this netflix show i think last year or so calling living with yourself where he played um like a clone of himself right and yeah the the whole thing was uh it was interesting it was kind of weird but kind of interesting at the same time it was all about like uh if you're a person who wants to become like a better version of yourself you go to this like facility and you think that um they're gonna make you like a better version of yourself but in reality what they do is just fucking clone you so that the better version of yourself like goes and 
B's a better version, and then they kill the original version, but in That's this... Up. I don't want to die! I know. Well, they don't know that, right? But so, in this in this version, uh, the original Paul Rudd doesn't end up dying. It, like, doesn't work for him. So it's, like, him confronting his clone, um, who is, like, the better-looking version, can do better, is more compassionate, you know, yada, yada. Um, and there's at some point where the clone version of him becomes, like, angry because now it's like this you know power struggle and there's like a moment again like i love the switch moments right and there's a moment where he like kind of sits there and he kind of like tilts his head and like looks fucking murderous and it was just like little things like that where i sat there and i go people need to start giving paul rudd villain roles it's actually ridiculous (laughs) i just feel like he has that darkness in him to do it That's what I'm saying. And this is something like Juwan and I actually talk about a lot with comedians, that they have to dig into a pretty dark place to be that funny. So when you take away the the comedy aspect of it, I think they have the ability to be dark like that. And I think Paul Rudd could do it. Like, I'm telling you, I have all the confidence and... If I were a director, producer, studio, I'd be like, let's find some way we can fit this into Paul Rudd. I would do the same because I feel like you are right about the comedy, but I think that is why the switch is so alarming, though, and why it's so believable. Yeah, it's just so good. I love it so much. Um, And you're right. Well, so... um, Paul Rudd and Zac Efron kind of kicked off this idea for me where I thought that uh, the two of them would play good villains. And I was like, let's make a podcast out of it. Let's make a podcast out of it. No, I love it. I like these kind of ones where it's kind of like it does let you think out of the box where it maybe it's not quite a show or talking about this show, but just seeing the capabilities of an actor to do something so much different. Well, I think it touches upon the same thing of, say, fan casting. We love fan casting actors, and we're essentially fan casting, just maybe not in a specific role, just more of a broad terminology. And kind of a kind of a play on it. Exactly. So, um, Brittany, did you have any honorable mentions that you didn't get to put on the list? Um. Um. Let me look at my list real quick. Um, I had Chris Pratt and George Clooney. Chris Pratt, I feel like, could do it. Again, another comedian that should probably be given an opportunity. I know. I think on my reason on the George Clooney part was I was like, oh, he always plays the romantic pretty boy, and it's like it would be interesting to see him like, like, Almost a serial killer role, kind of like the Zac Efron, kind of Ted Bundy feel. And I think um, George Clooney took, like, uh, some time off of acting, but I think he's coming back. So it would be kind of cool to see him reinvent himself in a way, because you're right. He always plays like, oh, he's so good looking. He's the suave guy. But why not use that to his advantage to be, like, this really creepy, crazy killer? No, I'm, I would be there for it. Yeah, 100% me too. Um, my other honorable mention is Scoot McNary. Like, I know he played Rob Novak. Oh, Scoot! 
I know he played Rob Novak, which was a pretty, like, villainous sort of person. But since then, I don't – and, like, yeah, Jackson Norris. So I guess he has played, like, villains, but I feel like not as often. Like, I'd love to – and Sleepless, while we thought Sleepless was good, wasn't to, like, the caliber that other people would think was good. That's so probably not see- many people are seeing it enough to see – because when we – remember, like, when I- we're sitting there, we're like, oh, I love that guy. He's awesome. And then you see what else he plays in, and you're like, oh, he's a soft, like, cinnamon roll. Yeah, most of his roles are either he's a soft cinnamon roll or he's, you know, the gruff guy with the heart of gold. He's like a still cinnamon roll. <laughs> like, a little too long. Oh, my God. Do you realize, Brittany, how exciting it is that Narcos Mexico was not only renewed for a season three, but it was confirmed that Scoot McNary was returning? Oh my god, I was so happy about yeah, that. He's gonna die over here. <laughs> I have to get I have to get Brittany into watching it because like no one else talks about it with me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's so good, Brittany. Season two was fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal. I'll just talk about it till I'm dead. Um but <laughs> Um But yeah. Uh Brittany, so she's, this- she's, she's going to talk to me about it until I'm dead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just, Brittany, I'm just trying to give you good content. Like, I'm just trying to give you good shows that I, and it's like, I know you like them because you brainstorm the characters. And it's like, so why not just watch the show? You'll know even more. You'll learn what? even more. I have a very simple answer for you. <laughs> what? I'm literally garbage. <laughs> fair enough fair enough fair enough there you go um, but Brittany I think that this is an interesting podcast uh, I love the subject and I thought we had some really great picks here um, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you what you got going on and all that good stuff gonna say you could always find me at twitch at itty bitty brit been playing some scary game late, lately i'm about to play some more vampire 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 i don't know they don't ever say the name it's v-a-m-p-y-r which i want to say vampire but um i'm having a good time with that you could always find me at um itty bitty brit zero on twitch and that's where more of my schedule stuff pictures uh any kind of like change or what's going on that's where you can find me and uh yeah we have a good time good community Awesome. Please make sure everyone you go check that out. Also, please go check out our friends over at Stranger Damies. They call this a movie, part of the main Damie family of podcasts. Just check out all of our amazing affiliates. We have guys like Cena Nerd, um, uh, Kind of Nerdy Girls, the Valero Effect, like just so many amazing people that we have in our corner. We did this really epic freaking um, uh, combination, culmination of of all of our outlets we had leo from geekly goods join for the end of the year uh podcast and it was really amazing it's on our youtube channel geek Fives podcast please make sure you check that out and make sure you check it out for my tea times with tia more of our top tens and just make sure that you like and subscribe support us we really appreciate it Brittany and i love doing this every week it's why we keep showing up and so if you could just voice your support for it that would be great and Brittany. I will see you next time. Bye. (laughs) See y'all next time. Bye.